Independence Minor Competitive Reading Podcast. I'm your sister co-host, Elizabeth Connor. I'm your brother co-host, Thomas Dempsey. I'm currently watching... What happened? Sorry, I'm currently watching Potato try to eat drywall. Uh, oh, oh, that can't be good for him. <laughs> Goodness. I mean, I get chewing on cables and stuff. Those do, those look delicious, but drywall. <laughs> that was actually a plot point. In, uh, did you ever read any more of, um, what do you call it? A uh, hundred years of solitude. Yeah, I remember that part. You remember the character who ate like mud and drywall? Yeah. Yeah. yeah that was that was weird. It was weird. I just kind of thought of that character as like fidget. Oh sure. With her pica. pica. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You uh, hearing any fireworks out your way? Yeah. Even though um, I live in an apartment complex, and at least for a couple of days, they've had up the no fireworks allowed signs ah, at the front of the complex and you know yep. people ignore them and do them anyway all right we've been having some going off in our neighborhood we can't see them from where we are i think mom and dad were thinking they might uh go out and watch but uh all the trees and whatnot sort of block it out right all right but yeah uh for the listeners we're recording this uh the evening of july 4th and uh, I think we've both been engaged in some uh, uh, Independence Day activities. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, I went off to, well, our family usually does this um, annual sort of family gathering thing on my mom's side. Where there's a, a, a lake about an hour's drive south of us that we all meet up at. It's not an hour's drive, but, you know. It's like 30, and, 45 uh, minutes. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, yeah, we usually go to that, have a good nice time. I got off work around 2 and was able to get down there right about 3. Okay. And I wasn't sure if I was going to go or not. But uh, the matter wound up being settled by the fact that Mom and Dad locked themselves out of their car. (gasps) Oh, no! Yeah, so I had to drive down a pair of replacement keys. And then when I got down there, they fixed me a plate, so I hung out for a little while. Yeah. And it was, it's nice. It's a, it's a beautiful day. Yeah. It was, it was a nice Not, day here, too. It did rain, though. Oh, y'all got some rain? Yeah. It, we had a pretty good little downpour around, like, three or four o'clock. Yeah, we, we it missed us. But, uh, yeah, it was cool. And, uh, good day at work. Carried out a... $1,250 catering order. Dang. Yeah. And they tipped accordingly. That's good. I'll leave it at that. But, uh, yeah, otherwise, it's a pretty peaceful day. Quiet. Good. Yeah. Yeah, here and, too. Uh, we just kind of, it was just like a family day. We just, uh, you know, we got Andrew, and we went to Brian's grandfather's house, and we, like, grilled out, and a good, time, good. Was, a good time was had by all. Right. Now, I guess we want to keep this thing on track, because you've got... What time are you leaving tomorrow? Um, we had planned on leaving at, like, 7, and... Yeah. 
uh, tomorrow morning, and our plans have been slightly altered. So now okay. we're probably going to be leaving around 9.30. Okay, well, that's fun. Yeah, y'all are... Uh, did you want to get into that or what? Yeah, so... Um, so we are taking our we're taking a little family trip uh me and brian and the two and our boys uh we're taking a family trip to atlanta just just like for one night um and we're gonna go right. to the braves cardinals game tomorrow that'll be cool yeah this is kind of with the exception of like coming up to see you guys like for the holidays sure this is like our first trip as a family right. Yeah. So. Oh, that'll be fun. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I've been to that ball field before. It's real nice. Yeah. Uh, Brian and I went, well, we went to a ball game the day after we got married because we missed our flight for our honeymoon. Um, and it was like all very last minute, but this time, like we've put a little bit more thought into it. And to be honest, like now, like post COVID, you kind of have to. Yeah. Um, just because, you know, like the bag policy is different. Um, it's a cashless park. All right. So you have to plan accordingly for that. Um, you have to like download the app so you can like order your food and stuff. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I guess that's just sort of how it's going. I don't think we'll ever really get entirely away from cash, but I think especially in light of stuff like COVID, you're probably going to see like large gathering spots like that uh, moving away from it. Yeah, no, I, yeah, no, I mean, there's always going to be a place for cash, like going to the grocery store, getting gas. Like, you know, kind of like everyday purchases. Sure. But, yeah, like you said, for event venues, I could see them yeah. moving to cashless. Okay. Hmm. So, uh, see, it's been a decent couple weeks since we last recorded. Mm hmm. Uh, I want to say right after last episode went up, I went and house sat for some friends for a couple of days mm -hmm. while they were at the beach. Yep. Looked after their little kitty cat. Aww. And yeah, it was it was fun. And then uh, went and saw Top Gun Maverick in theaters mm -hmm. with mom and dad. That was like the first movie they'd been to see in a couple of years. Right. So that was that was a lot of fun. Gets a recommendation. And, uh, yeah, otherwise, just sort of work and hanging out. Yeah. Yeah. I did, um, I've been doing some cleaning up. Well, not cleaning up. It's kind of the opposite of cleaning up. My room's kind of a mess. And, uh, I spent a good part of the last couple of days flipping over stuff, trying to find a Nintendo Switch cartridge mm -hmm. that I'd lost track of. And I was getting to the point where I was going to ask you and... Uh, Brian to keep an eye out because I thought I might have fallen out over at y'all's place last time I was there but then I was fishing around under the uh, couch and knocked it loose so I found that and then about uh, five minutes before we started recording I realized I didn't know where my earbuds were uh oh yeah 
But then I found them a bit more quickly than the the DS oh, or the well, that's good. Switch cart. So yeah, it worked out. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, clean your rooms, kids. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. But uh, I've got a bunch of boxes of Christmas decorations in here that I'll try and get up in the attic sometime when it cools down a bit. Oh, okay. They've just been like hanging out in your room? Yeah, well, they were in the living room, but then I moved them into my room to make space. Okay. Yeah. But that's that. Okay. Yeah. So you about ready to get talking about books? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. Uh, who shall lead? Oh, well, I can lead. Um, okay. Because, well, okay, so in addition to our challenge, I only read one book. Nice. Since our last episode. But I, ha I found out some information. Okay. okay, so I'll talk about the book first, and then I'll talk about my information. Yeah. All right, so the book that I read was it's called Tennessee Truths by Ashley mm -hmm. Moon, Moon, Munoz okay. Munoz M-U-N-O-Z M-U-N-O-V Z Z Munoz 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 is, anyway. is there like an umlaut? No there's not Okay So Anyway, um, so the book is about, like, it's very angsty, first of all. Um, okay. The couples, and I just finished it, like, yesterday, so I remember all the characters' names and everything. Um, cool. So the two main characters are Faith and Jace, and, like, they meet when they're in middle school, and it's one of those things that, like, Jace is mean to her, and Jace picks on her, and Jace embarrasses her at school. Um, and and Faith is just, like, kind of over it. And, like, he infuriates her. But, like, at the same time, like, she thinks he's cute. Mm. Okay. Um, so, anyway, like, you know, they're in, like, the eighth grade. They confess, or he confesses his feelings, like, at the playground. And then they start dating. Um, oh, okay. And then, you know, fast forward to when they're, like, seniors in high school. They graduate high school. They've been dating for, like, four or five years at this point. Um, they're planning on getting an apartment together and going to community college. Like, moving away and going to college and basically, like, starting their lives. And then he just up and breaks up with her one day. And uh -oh. doesn't, doesn't tell her why. Just is, like... I've got too much stuff going on in my life and we can't, I can't do this. Okay. And so, so that's, so that's that. So anyway, flash forward like by five years. So in their, they're in your, they're in their, you know, early twenties. Um, yeah. She has, she is currently going through a divorce because after they broke up, um, she started dating this billionaire uh, who Ooh. lives in Tennessee, and Watch they got that. married, and then he turned into an abusive a-hole. Oh, less fortunate. So he, um, so anyway, like the book, so like the present day opens with her waiting on her best friend to come to the house, and he had put her in the hospital the night before. 
Geesh. And so her best friend like helps her pack and then she goes to her parents' house. And and then anyway, her mom makes her go to a party. She and her she and Jace um run into each other and he is just like a total jerk to her. Uh. And pretty much like I'm not even gonna lie, like I would probably say like Fifty-five to seventy-five percent of their interactions in the book are like not positive interactions. Huh. It's all very angsty. It's all very like we want to try to repair the relationship, but at the same time we're keeping secrets from each other. Yeah. And like it was a good, and I mean like it was it was good. It does have a happily ever after and all that kind of stuff. Um, but it was just yeah. really angsty trying to get through it. Okay. So what's the what's the backstory then? Okay, so that leads me to my information that I found out. So I read Tennessee Truths, and I actually also read Gideon the Ninth using Kindle Unlimited. Okay. Okay. So I'm yeah. you know I was scrolling on TikTok sometime like this past week. And I came across a TikTok of um, of an author who, you know, she pretty exclusively, like, publishes through Amazons. And her books are available on Kindle Unlimited. So she okay. chose to explain how Amazon and Kindle pay their authors. Right. Okay. So, like, obviously... Um, you know, if you purchase the ebook, she goes, you know, they take their cut. And like, if we sell a book for $3, like we're maybe going to get like 175 out of it. 175 to okay. $2 out of it. Right. With Kindle Unlimited, they get paid per page. Uh-huh. They get paid per page read. Per page read. Yeah. Well, that's so, weird. Yeah. So, like, and then she even showed like a graph of like how much she makes from Kindle Unlimited, from selling ebooks, and from selling like actual physical copies of books. And by far, her biggest revenue stream is through Kindle Unlimited. Huh. That's weird. And it's almost like they're treating it like a streaming service. Exact. That's exactly what it is because, and but this is by in no way sponsored. But um, right. Kindle Unlimited, like it's it's ten dollars a month basically, and yeah. you can read whatever you want from the Kindle Unlimited library. Um, some of it is like well established works like that. I'm, I'm pretty sure that's how I ended up reading uh, The Handmaid's Tale. Okay. Was through Kindle Unlimited. I'm pretty sure all seven Harry Potter books are on Kindle Unlimited. Sure. Um, and then you've got, you know, a bunch of, like, independent, like, romance. And that's how I read pretty much all of my romance. Um, right. But, yeah. So, they get paid for every Kindle page read if their book is checked out through Kindle Unlimited. Okay. And she was like, and basically, and then the author went on to say, basically, if you have a Kindle Unlimited membership and you're using Kindle Unlimited to read five books a month, 
basically all of your money is going to support the authors. Well, that's nice. And like none of like, so she was like pretty much your entire, if you're reading at least five books a month, pretty much your whole membership's going to support authors and very little of it is actually going to Amazon. Okay. So I didn't know that that's how that worked. I didn't know how Kindle Unlimited worked. To be honest, I kind of yeah. thought it was like a marketing thing. Right. Like, I'm going to make my book available to read through the subscription service in the hopes that, like, people will like it well enough to purchase it. That's how I thought it worked. Yeah. Okay. But I'm glad to know that, like, all of these authors that I read through Kindle Unlimited, like, no, my subscription money is going to help them keep the lights on. Okay. That's good. So I found that out. I wanted to share. Well, thank you for sharing. That's good to know. Yeah. And uh, I've been doing some reading. I've finished two other books outside of this uh, episode's challenge. One is a book that I'd been reading for uh, about a month now. And I finally got around to finishing. It's uh, the first one of the first books I picked up on our uh, shopping trip to Atlanta a couple months back if you still haven't listened to our episode our bonus episode that we put out in mid-may you go give that a listen i think it's turned out really well but yeah that book the book i read was called pure invention by matt alt and it's basically a history of japanese culture through the latter half of the 20th century as viewed through like their major cultural exports mm-hmm. and so there's the stuff you would expect like video games and anime and stuff mm-hmm. but then you also get more um more uh pervasive objects like uh toy cars yeah because a big post-war uh export for japan was little uh plastic toy jeeps that this uh, uh, firm was able to produce and sell for cheap. And uh, it just sort of traces the way all these different objects and uh, artifacts sort of develop and influence uh, global culture. Mm -hmm. There's a chapter about the Walkman and about karaoke machines and uh, Hello Kitty. Okay. So it's a lot of really interesting stuff. I feel like it ends a little abruptly because it the last major sort of cultural turning point is like the uh, anonymous forum that sprung up like in the early 2000s and I mean obviously there's a lot to dig into with that but then you feel like in the last 20 years especially uh things have changed so drastically that the book feels more like a historical document or Mm -hmm. a uh, rather than like a sort of modern or present sort of cultural appraisal it 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 delves into some more modern aspects there's some talk about covid and what have you this book being published i think in early 2021 yeah so yeah, so there's definitely some recent perspective, but I feel like 
its main function is to act as like a document for a lot of the stuff that was going on from like the 50s through to the 90s which is which is interesting i really enjoyed getting all that sort of history and uh, context for stuff but uh yeah i was just uh sort of read it sort of like on and off and had a good time with it and the other book i read should surprise no one it's another uh, mystery novel from the uh inspector migret series by george simonon mm -hmm. this one was called the late monsieur galette it was actually not one of the ones i bought in atlanta because uh, I know I picked up a whole bunch of those. Turns out Barnes & Noble also sells like a handful of them. And I found one that I had not picked up or read before. So I got it. And uh, I think it's like the third Inspector Migret novel overall. Or one of the earlier ones, certainly. And basically it's like this dude gets a call uh, out to this... Gets a call out to this, like, resort town, basically, where a man has been found shot and stabbed to death in his hotel room. And so the guy has to contact the man's wife and learn about his, like, work history, what he was doing in this specific town, uh, did he have any enemies, etc. And it's a pretty decent mystery. It's got some, like, really interesting, like, passages in it. There's, like, a lot of interesting angles to the investigation that come up mm -hmm. and there's also some neat little psychological dimensions to the yeah. writing uh but the the book ends with like two big borderline cliche reveals okay so like both the nature of the murder and its execution each tie into a kind of a hallmark of uh, murder mystery fiction. I, d I won't give it away uh, for anybody who's interested in checking it out, but there are certain conventions to the genre that this book in particular engages in. Mm -hmm. And uh, I won't say that it uh, lessened the impact of the book for me, but I feel like in other books from this series, and maybe you can just attribute it to this being one of the earlier ones that this guy wrote, but uh, I feel like uh, later entries in the series are a bit more uh, dynamic mm -hmm. and uh, yeah so this one was it, this one was pleasant so okay. I was happy to have read it and I'm looking for and you're definitely going to be hearing more about the rest of the series as the year goes on awesome yeah so I read that that was my other reading is that Andrew in the background um actually I am in Actually, it's the cats. I am. I didn't know a stare was in here too. I thought it was just potato. Ah, they having fun. Yep, they are. That's cool. Alrighty. Well, uh, I guess if that's all of our other reading taken care of, you want to take a quick break and then get into the this week's challenge. Yeah. Alrighty. Well, we'll do that, and we'll be seeing our listeners in a minute. And welcome back to Your Words Against Mine. We were just getting ready to talk about this week's reading challenge. This was my challenge to Elizabeth. Uh, why don't you tell us about 
the book we had to read for this week. So this week we had to read Gideon the Ninth by, hold on. Tamsin Muir? Yes, by Tamsin Muir. Um, and it is the first book in the in the Locked Tomb series. Yeah. And, and uh, um, basically, like, if you read, like, the what is this book about, uh, it's basically about, like, lesbian necromancers and swordswomen. Yeah, how, yeah, how, how culturally ubiquitous is the concept of a necromancer? Because, like, as somebody with, like, some exposure to stuff like d and I'm sort of familiar with the concept. Um, so... Yeah, so because I also have, you know, like, played some D&D in my day and have, I don't know, played games that kind of, like, involve those types of characters, like, I kind of know what it is, but yeah, I know that, like, if I'm talking to my husband and I say necromancer, like, no idea. Yeah. So... And for those of our listeners who may not know, a necromancer um, is basically like a type of warlock or witch or whatever, but that deals specifically with the dead. So if you are a necromancer, that basically means that like you can manipulate deceased beings, like the physicality of those deceased beings. Like you're not typically dealing with like spirits. Yeah. Okay. I don't know, is that a good explanation? Yeah, I think that's fair. The book sort of characterizes it as, like, uh, deriving magic from the energy produced by living and dying beings. Yep. Yep. So, it's sort of vague, but basically, yeah, it's um, that kind of thing. So, every time I, th- every time I hear, like, Necromancer, there is a book that it's like a whole series and like each book is a play on a song title so like the first book in the series is called hold me closer necromancer nice so now so you know of course after like i saw that title and i read that book whenever i hear tiny dancer i immediately replace it with necromancer Necromancer. yeah right so this is a book with uh Sort of dead death wi- death wizards, and uh, by the way, it takes place in space. Yeah, which is so okay. Every time I go into the reading of a book, I always, yeah. I don't know, like I'm, I've always been very, very good at like visualizing the text. Mm-hmm. Um, in fiction. Or, or really with right. whatever I read. Um, so as I'm reading, like I have like a TV show or a movie of what I'm re- reading playing out in my brain. Sure. And this one, I love this book, but like this was kind of hard for me to do initially. Okay. Because, you know, like when you go to read about the book, like, descriptives it is described as a science fantasy okay so now in my brain i have like a blueprint 
of the film or TV show that's going to play in my brain of like, okay, if it's fantasy, this is what it's going to be like. If it's science fiction, this is what it's going to be like. And because this combined the two, like I had a really hard time merging those two blueprints into my brain. I get that. But at the same time, I was also, uh... I was also sitting there like, man, this would, this would be like really cool. Like to watch. Yeah. Did you ever read the, uh, the uh, stone, the M.K. Jemison trilogy that started with the fifth season? I did not. Okay, I think that's I have sort those of a books. similar. Yeah, it's. A, I think I might have loaned those to you, but it's a similar vibe, where like uh, you've got like a high fantasy concept that's sort of explored through the lens of science fiction. Yeah. Yeah. But. Uh, yeah, so with this book, it's like people are living on alien planets and traveling around in spaceships, but also they wield swords and summon skeletons to do their bidding. Yep. Yeah. And so, just to sort of uh, move things along, the story centers on uh, the titular Gideon the Ninth, who is of the Ninth House. There are these. There's this basically emp- empire of necromancers out in space called the nine houses yeah each house in the empire has like its own family its own lineage its own culture and then one day houses two through nine are all summoned to the house the first house at the center of the galaxy to uh basically have each house's like premier necromancer and warrior combo Mm because in the culture that this book devises each necromancer has like a, a warrior retainer yep. that accompanies them and the relationship there is sort of like uh, fluid in terms of like what it's, it's supposed to me- represent mm-hmm. so there are some people who are like siblings there are some people who are like romantic partners or in the case of Gideon and her necromancer Harrow like bitter enemies yeah like they, they just cannot hate stand each other, each other. Yeah, it's and it's not even like cute. It's like these people want each other dead. Yeah. But uh, they, yeah. So through various happenstance, uh, Harrow, the heir to the ninth house, and Gideon, this uh, sort of indentured ward servant of the ninth house, indentured servant essentially. Yeah. Basically, she. It sounds like she was sort of like a uh, a doorstep baby. Yeah. Or something to that effect who was dropped off there at a young age and then just sort of grew up being raised to learn what, like, swords, craft, and what have you. She gets sent off to be Harrow's Cavalier, is what it's called, Mm -hmm. uh, when they're all sent to this planet to try and become what is known in their sort of culture and mythology as a lictor which is kind of like the high necromancers that serve directly under the empire, yep. uh, the emperor. Yeah. So and they're oh, all sent to this. Yeah. Who, by the way, are immortal. Yeah. Or who become so, immortal. Ba- yeah. So if you become a lictor, you can functionally live forever. Yeah. If Unless you're killed. Right. So, uh, so they all get sent to this uh, planet to try and figure out how to be lictors and they figure oh they're going to teach us what to do it's going to be like this whole you're you figure you're in for like an especially mordant 
a Harry Potter type thing. Mm-hmm. Instead of wizarding school, it's like necromancer school. Mm-hmm. So they all get there, and there's like a dude who's sort of the caretaker for the place, and it's this large sort of crumbling castle that they're all staying in. And he's basically like, look, y'all just sort of look around and figure out what you're going to do. And that's it. That's the extent of all the instruction they're given. Yep. And from that, they have to try and figure out uh, how to become these lictors. And as time goes on, some of them become especially desperate and people start to die. <laughs> you know, as you do. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, so it, so you've, in addition to being like a, a high fantasy uh, sci fi story, it sort of spills out into a murder mystery with uh, some like action set pieces as the characters are venturing through this cap castle and discovering various like challenges to be overcome and stuff like that mm-hmm. yeah so yeah that's sort of the the broad strokes yep yeah and you said you really liked it i really liked it too i was gonna say and i don't mean this to sound i don't mean to pit books against each other but i do think it's interesting that like Cemetery Boys, the book I was not able to finish last episode, uh-huh. is like 300 pages long. Yeah. And I only made it about halfway through that one. Yeah. Uh, before the episode. I had no trouble finishing this book in town. Mm-hmm. I think it is just like the very... Uh, a prototypical page-turner. Yeah. I will and, say... Uh, I will say for me, I feel like the first like act and a half because like the book is, is it's divided up into chapters, but then it's also divided up into divided acts. up into acts. Yeah. So the first probably like act and a half, I don't know, like was a little difficult for me to get into, but basically like pretty much, pretty much once all the characters are at the house of the first and like yes. actions to actually, you know, things actually kind of start to happen. Right. Um, that's when it got like, that's when I was invested. Yeah, I get that. But basically when, I, I, when, uh, Gideon and Harrow are still on the planet of the ninth, like, yeah. And I mean, like, I understand it's meant to be like depressing, but like, it was so freaking depressing. <laughs> yeah. Especially because, like, the book, our entry into uh, Gideon's headspace is that she so desperately wants to get away from this place she's been living her in all her life. And she's just sort of, like, 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 overwhelmed with misery. Yeah. But then, like, even that sort of gets called into question as the book goes on because I feel like a big part of Gideon's arc or at least external to her own development is just sort of the reader becoming cognizant of her resilience because mm-hmm. like without giving too much away there's a confrontation late in the book where it quickly bec- where it's made apparent that Gideon has suffered like super like heavily mm-hmm. throughout her life and that the 
extent to which she is still like a decent and uh, caring human being mm-hmm. is such that it kind of like like casts her in a heroic light. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So yeah, she's a she's a great character. I freaking love her. <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't know. I feel like if you were to, I mean, like, obviously, Gideon's actions throughout the book very much speak to who she is as a person. But I also feel sure. like the best ind- indicator of like what is Gideon's personality is kind of is like at the halfway point of the book where like. Things have gone down. People are dying. People are confused. And they're still trying to figure out, like, all this lighterhood stuff. Um, yeah. And so they're, you know, they're trying to find somebody who's missing. And this one guy who's from another house, like, they kind of decide, okay, we're going to do it this way. And he kind of looks at her and he's like, is that good with you? And she looks at him and she's like, did you know if you took the first three letters of your last name and the first three letters of your first name and put them together it would be sex pal and that's like the first thing she's said to anybody in the whole time she's been there yeah basically and i just feel like you know like she she has been presented with like this monumental very dangerous task where she also has to supervise teenagers right and that is what she chooses her first words to be yeah she's very like droll and uh, yeah, I, I, the book is very like good at sort of putting you in her headspace, which also sort of benefits the mysteries of the story because mm-hmm. you're oftentimes as much in the dark as Gideon is. Yep. About like who is capable of doing what and who is uh, where, like mm-hmm. yeah. So there's a lot of revelations later in the book about like what characters various long games have been yep and uh yeah it's a it's very well written very very much so yeah and uh can i tell you another like plot device that i've never seen before i've never read it before in a book but like i was highly entertained by shoot so it's it's it always has to do with like the 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 pair that's from the fourth house. Yes. And how, you know, like they're super, super close with the fifth house and like the, the couple or like the people that are there from the fifth house, like they're older. It's very obvious that the people from the fourth house, like they are young teenagers. Um, Yes. And so, you know, you have like Magnus from the fifth house. Who's like talking about these kids and like in like very small print, it's like, no, Magnus, what are you doing? <laughs> don't do that. What? Don't talk about that. Oh, I love. It's like the uh, the text <laughs> gets faint for when the kids are whispering, and they've yeah. got that sort of passive aggressive, like, <laughs> like ironic, like sort of tone to it. Yeah, that's just that's such a great little like comedic flourish. Like I I have never seen that before. And I freaking loved it. Every time it happened, like, no, what are you doing? Don't, don't talk about that. Yeah. <laughs> every time. That was good. Oh, every yeah, time. Uh, Tamsin is definitely, uh, like, has got 
like strong comedic chops yeah. where her character writing's concerned. Very much so. Yeah. Which isn't to say that this book is like all uh, kicks and giggles. The, There's uh, definitely the comedic, some like heavy stuff. Yeah. The comedic relief is very well placed. Is very and also very necessary. Yeah. Given what a lot of what happens here. Yep. Yeah. So uh I yeah, I really liked it. I, I really um, liked it too. Are you gonna read the next I'll one? I'll be I am. I'm gonna be interested to see where the next book goes. It definitely feels like it could go anywhere, but it's got some lingering questions, some uh obviously some plot threads that you hope will go one way. Yeah. That we'll just have to wait and see. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I don't want to spoil it for anybody because, needless to say, about, like, the last hundred pages or so of the book definitely start going off the rails. Yeah. Plot-wise. And, uh... I gotta say, yeah. like, I was... I came I came home to visit for a little bit. Um, yeah. And you were in the process of reading probably in those last hundred pages. You've got great yeah. poker face. Like, I had no idea... Like I had no how, idea. how I was reacting to yeah. any of it. Yeah. Okay. I feel like um, a, much of the ending I'd actually finished in the last couple days since you left. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but that yeah, was I was definitely. I probably, or uh, I probably underestimated, overestimated mm. how many pages you had okay. left. Yeah, that might have been the case. I think I was about, like, in the, the two to three hundreds. Oh, okay. Yeah, see, yeah. to me, like, visually, it didn't look like it was that much. Yeah, well, that's the thing, because, like, this book is, like, in terms of raw page count, it's 500. But yeah. the last, like, 25 are excerpts from the next novel. And there's yeah. also, like, an extended glossary and appendix mm -hmm. with different texts and stuff that sort of help flesh out the world. Yep. So, properly speaking, the book's only a, is about 400 pages long, but you wouldn't know that to look at it. Right. Right. But, uh, yeah, I look forward to uh, continuing on with the series. There's a third volume uh, supposed to be released maybe later this year. Mm-hmm. Or at least in two, maybe 2023. I'd have to look it up. Okay. And then there's going to yeah. be a fourth one, too, right? maybe it could be one of those things where like there are mainline entries and then there's like side stories oh okay i yeah. know a lot of uh fantasy series sort of have that method of uh releasing stuff Mm-hmm. yeah but uh yeah it's all good i'm definitely in the i'm in the bank for uh tamson muir yep me too i think she's up there with like uh martha wells yeah. And, uh, yeah. Like, yeah, for sure. Just want to see what they do next. Mm-hmm. All right. So uh, that's been uh, a discussion of Gideon the Ninth. We both really enjoyed it. We both finished it. Yep. And uh, now I think we're in a position to talk about word totals. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you want to go first, or shall I? Yeah, I can. Um, okay, so... Since our last, since our last episode, I've read two books. Um, 
which so for my subtotal is 243,072 words which brings mm-hmm. my current word total for the year up to 5,132,616 words um, which mm-hmm. puts me at 51% of my word count from last year nice I finally broke 50% that's cool and you did it just over the at the halfway mark yeah pretty much yep and uh for my word totals i read those three books bringing my word total from two million four hundred thirty five thousand six hundred eighty four to two million seven hundred thirty four thousand seven hundred fifty seven and that uh puts me at about sixty one point six percent of the way through my reading last year wow so i'm still i'm still on a good pace i've picked up a little bit of speed Mm -hmm. uh like i said i don't want to let myself get too um like lackadaisical right because uh goodness knows you can like hit a wall at any point and then just sort of fall off right right but uh yeah Good, good, a bunch of good reading this week. Mm-hmm. All right, and so what you got, got for me for next time? Got some more reading to get to, so I'll get into it. Elizabeth, I seem to recall you having some experience with the... Uh, oh, goodness, what's his name? Uh, Harumi Murakami? Yeah. Yeah, you've read some of his books before, correct? Mm-hmm. Okay. Have you read the Clockwork uh, Mockingbird? No. Or, uh, hold on. I don't think that's actually what it's called. Anyway, I'm I'm looking it up. I'm buying some time. Anyway, what happened was, uh, when I was reading that uh, Pure Invention book uh, by Matt Alt, Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the things he talks about is Harumi Murakami. Okay. And for which, for some reason, am I not spelling it right? Uh. Haru. Yeah, yeah. Haru, Haruki, Haruki Murakami. Goodness sakes. Okay. Uh, so Haruki Murakami. That's one of the things he uh, talks about uh, in his book, and hearing him discuss the way that Murakami sort of hones in on a lot of the like 20th century ennui that we've been living through Mm -hmm. really made me interested in checking out some of his writing Mm -hmm. and uh, I've I've had a couple of his books on my shelf that I've just not gotten around to and I was interested to give it a go and oh okay you know what I totally got that wrong I knew that one of his more uh, acclaimed books was called The Wind-Up Bird Chronicle. I forget what I called it, but yeah, that's what it's called, The Wind-Up Bird Chronicle. And part of the reason I wanted that one specifically is because it is a mystery story. Okay. I've been reading a bunch of mystery novels as of late, and that was something I was wanting to bring more to the forefront with this show, so... 
I looked online for like a list of great mystery novels and turns out that's one of them. So yeah, that's what we'll be reading in a couple of weeks, a uh, uh, month's time. We'll be back to discuss The Wind-Up Bird Chronicle by Haruki Murakami. Okay. Sound, sound good? Sounds good. Alright, so that's another episode down. Uh, fireworks hadn't been too distracting. No, not at all. Yeah, that's cool. So, uh, yeah, we, uh, I'll try and get this episode out tomorrow morning. Okay. But uh, for now, you can let the listeners know where they can find us. Yeah. So you can find us um, on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and Literally Club uh, at Your Words Podcast. You can also find mm-hmm. us on our website at yourwordspodcast.com. And you can send us sounds a question. Huh? I said sounds good. Okay. And you can send us a question, comment, or recommendation to our email at yourwordspodcast at gmail.com. That's right. And once again, we thank you for listening. We're just about to hit 1,100 downloads. Woohoo! And, uh, yep, yeah, it's been a good ride. So, uh, I hope you guys are enjoying your fourth or having a good summer. Just be safe out there. Mm-hmm. Know that we care about you. Yep. Thank you for listening. And as always, this is the part of the show where we say goodbye. Goodbye.